Whose room are you in right now? Yeah, exactly. We're in Anthony's room. Where are these women? Hello, and welcome to the Modern Hotel. You're presented by Stay Flexi, your all in one modern operating system for independent hotels. Each episode, we'll get to know an industry expert and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, the modern hotelier. Welcome to the Modern Hotelier presented by Stay Flexi. I'm your host, David Malilli. And I'm Steve Karen. Steve, we're here in Las Vegas. Who do we have on the program today? Today we have on Judy Chen, oh. the VP of Development at Dream Hotel Group. We're so excited to have her on. Hope you guys still come back to Vegas yeah, after absolutely. this. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Before Judy was at Dream Hotel, she was at, or sorry, the Dream Hotel Group. She was in charge of design and development at the Thompson Hotels, director of events at 21 Entertainment, and in charge of design and development at Petite Armitage. Welcome. Welcome to the show, Thank Judy. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me. So, Judy, we have three sections. I'm going to ask you some just quick questions that you can answer however you like. Uh, we're going to get into your career. Okay. And then we're going to ask you some of your insights on the current okay. trends and what's going on with technology. All Wonderful. Right? Simple. So, what was your first job ever? So, my first job was I was an intern for Andre Balaz, and that really opened up the door for me in the hospitality industry. My background is in architecture undergrad, real estate development grad. And, you know, David, as you know, you're familiar with NYU. Back in the day, hotel development was not a curriculum, they had hotel management tourism, and then they also had real estate. So I was one of the very few people who went into development, and I was very fortunate to land an internship with Andre Balaz, and that opened every door for me in the industry. So, yeah. Well, side note, funny story, how I got the internship. There was a guy that was asking me out for a date. This is not a dating podcast, but this is kind of relevant to the story. And I was like, I don't want to go out to dinner with him at all. And then he kept calling and pushing. And then at that time, showing my age here, Babo had just opened in New York and they were impossible to get reservations. So he said, come on, you have to eat. I got his reservations at Babo. Just come. And I'm like, oh, fine. I really want to go to a Batali restaurant. So I went and then we were talking. He said, well, what do you want to do? I was in grad school at the time. And I said, my dream is to intern, no pun intended now. But I'm like, I would love to intern for Andre. And he said, my best friend works there. And that wow. changed the, the trajectory. Did you get a second date? Nope. No. <laughs> so, so today, if you weren't in hospitality, what would you be doing? I, you know, I love to perform. I've always been, you know, enjoying the side hustle and entertainment. It's a very difficult industry, but, you know, we'd always love to be getting Lucy Lou's, uh, you know, leftover <laughs> roles if, if the opportunity presented itself. But yeah, I do have a side hustle there in L.A., um, but I like using my brain, too, and I love the deal side of hotels, love running the numbers, love analyzing markets, which is what I do now. So, yeah, if, I, if I'm not doing what I'm doing now, I would probably, you know, still be hanging out with you guys, though. Yeah. <laughs> so who did you admire growing up? You know, you know, I didn't know if I admired him growing up, but in reading his book recently, it came out maybe four or five years ago, Nobu. Okay. His story is phenomenal. He went through so much rejection. You know, he lived in Peru, which is why a lot of his Japanese cuisine is influ- has the Peruvian influence. And then he kind of um, sidetracked into hospitality in general. And then he had the supporting support and backers of a lot of celebrities who loved his properties and helped him grow into hotels. I would highly recommend everyone to read that bio. Like, it's, it's, really, it's really uplifting. If you could take anyone— dead or alive, to lunch, who would it be and where would you take them? Oh, my 
my gosh, I was not planning on this. This is a, <laughs> this may be one that I need to like cut and think for a little bit. Um, well, I'm a big Formula One fan, so okay. I'm very excited that they're coming to Vegas next year. I'm actually going to go to the race in Singapore in October. One of my personal favorites is um, Ricardo, and he is in, uh, he races for McLaren now. He used to race for Red Bull and Renault. So I would love just because I have such like a crush yeah, on sure. him that I would love to take him out. Because he had said in an interview a couple of months ago, he, they had asked him, what's your dream race? And he goes, one in Vegas. Wow. And so, yeah, so now, you know, it's like, it's like Darwin and Cupid are right. just on my side and they're, yeah. Where, where would you take him to lunch? Lunch? Taco Bell? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the drive-thru in his car. You know? Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, exactly. Drive-thru into McLaren. There you go. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice, don't take yourself too seriously. You know, the world is a complicated place and you want to be a good person and you want to, you know, share your experience and your insights and, you know, it's not worth being petty about a lot of things. And if you take yourself too seriously, not worth it. That's me. Do you, have a, do you have a secret talent that nobody knows you have? Oh, yes, I do, actually. This one is actually, I'm an amazing parallel parker. Huh. So I grew up in the South. So I've been driving tractors and drinking <laughs> beer since I was very young. And people are amazed. This was like, again, showing my age. This was before cameras, like, right. you know, right. rear, rear, right. you know, back cameras. And I apparently just, for an Asian female, have that knack. And I, yeah, I don't know. Pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And one and done. What's the most difficult thing you've parallel, parallel parked? Well, I mean, I have a small car, okay. so. So we know it's not par parallel parking, but what, what scares you? <laughs> well, oh my gosh, what scares me? An empty bank account? Oh. Lack of deals? <laughs> Anyone want to deal, deal with Dream? Yeah. This is what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So again, you're good at parallel parking. What's something that you wish you were better at? Oh, what am I better at? Podcasts. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> gotta learn from you guys. And this is the last one in the, the first part. Uh, if you could pick a superpower, what would that superpower be? X-ray vision. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like invisible, but I think the X-ray vision is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I ain't being invisible. <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. So now we'll get to know you a little bit better. Okay. I thought we already did. No, we're, we're not even there yet. <laughs> just so, we just up. started. That's right. That's right. So you, you grew up in Chattanooga, mm -hmm. Tennessee, right? How did that shape you into who you are today? And it's so funny you asked that because I definitely think coming from an environment where I was not around people who looked like me, right. you know, I think it definitely made me a much more outspoken person. And, you know, I went to Virginia for college undergrad and Virginia then was not very diverse. I mean, it's still not that diverse, but I think to be able to hold your own and not sure. feel uncomfortable, it's tough when you're 12, 13, 14, and you're not like everyone yeah. else. But 2020 hindsight, I feel like it was so valuable in that it really teaches you to, you know, defend your ideas not be worried about what other people think and, you know, to, to be able to express and not be worried about the consequences. And I think that helps in the industry as well, right? I work with predominantly yeah. men. So for the ladies listening, it's like, I understand it's a different environment. And to be able to know your stuff, hold your own, 
speak the, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. It's very important. Isn't there a waterfall in Chattanooga? A yeah, famous uh, Ruby waterfall? Falls. Ruby Falls. How many times have you been to Ruby Falls? Zero. Never been there. Okay, yes. there we go. Next question. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you studied arch- architecture at UVA mm-hmm. and real estate at NYU. Have, how have those two things helped you in your current role? You know, it's funny because I think you don't go to school or the know-how per se, and I know that's probably blasphemous to say, but you really go for the relationships and the perspectives. So architecture school, I'm not an architect now. I would have been a terrible architect if I had been one. So, you know, no one would have given me the license. But, you know, it taught you how to be creative and see things differently, see things three-dimensionally. How do you support your idea? You know, and that's applicable to sales, marketing, and a lot of different things when you can defend your idea. So, you know, the architecture stuff, having an eye for design, I think, is really important. And just from a practicality standpoint, you know, knowing how much things cost to build or the, the, uh, you know, the practicality side of it, just because something is beautiful, especially in a hotel project, that's going to get, you know, messed up in five days. So, you know, you have to be, have the mindset of, you know, what's sustainable and, and a, you, know, you know, applicable for the product type that you're, you're in. And on the deal side for real estate, especially now doing deals for, for Dream, you know, to be able to understand the numbers and to be able to see both the analytic and the creative, I think has been instrumentally helpful. A lot of times when you work with people, it's one or the other. And I think it's quite helpful to be able to see both sides and, you know, kind of like from our company, we started out, Dream started out as owners, developers, operators. So we understand how much it costs to build and, you know, and operate. But a lot of times people see one side or the other and it's not enough. And to be able to run something that's continually profitable you have to know what your basis was going in. And I think sometimes there's a disconnect. So to be able to have the owner mentality plus the ongoing mentality, I think is really important. You have kind of a side hustle as well. On the entertainment side, you've been in quite a few films. You've been in film, TV, web, commercials, to name a few. It's a side hustle. I How'd you it. get into it? How'd you get into it? So typical Asian kid. I've wanted to be performing ever since I was a child. Parents said, no way. And so I never went. I wanted to go to drama school at UVA. And architecture school was already kind of like the black sheep. Right. Like, this is not law or medicine. Like, what right. is wrong with you? But okay, fine. And so... I um, was working in New York um, when I was at Thompson, the original Thompson, before it became Hyatt. I was working for the Pomerantz family. I was working for Jason. Know them well. Yeah, I did everything for Jason back in the day when we, you know, we were like five people in the office. And um, I was doing off, off, off Broadway for fun nights and weekends, taking classes. And I just fell in love with, I mean, I still love it. And so, you know, took a little break from the hotel world. I was out in LA pursuing acting for a couple of years, which I still do on the side, but you know, it's a different brain mm-hmm. to tap into. And, you know, the entertainment world is challenging, you know, to be perfectly frank, knowing what I know about the industry now, if I had yeah. kids and they want to get into it, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough one. Has there been a project you've done that you're really passionate about or one that sticks out where you're like, I love that. Like that's, that's my favorite thing I've done. I, I wish I could say that there was, and you know, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, what's what's your ideal 
role and and back in the day, I'm like, you know, my dream is to be, I keep saying dream. It's, there's no pun intended guys. Um, <laughs> I would love to be the bad bond girl. Okay. That's my ideal role. So yeah, the one who lets bond go because they have such a great relationship. Right. And then because she lets him go, he ends up killing her. I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> I already wrote my script. Um, is there a spot in Vegas? You're a local. We're in Vegas. Where is the best local spot. Where do, if we got it, we're here tonight, where do we have to go? So my favorite spot, if you guys, I mean, it depends on what you want. And I think that's the beauty of Vegas. You know, it's always evolving. There's always something new, exciting to do. You know, do you want to go to a bar, a lounge, a nightclub, a day club, a restaurant, whatever it is, right? But if I had one place to pick, and I know they're not sponsoring us, but they should, there's a Mexican restaurant called El Dorado. Oh, okay. El Dorado Cantina. El Dorado. They have a couple locations now. They've done really well, so they've expanded, but there's one on Industrial. It is our Sammy Davis Jr. Drive. It is next to Sapphire Strip Club. They share the back. Uh, it's the same same uh, building. Okay. Don't get any ideas, Steve. Don't get any ideas. I'm strictly there for the Mexican food. <laughs> And it's the yummiest food and it's not expensive. It's just off the strip. So that's where I would recommend you go. And then you didn't hear this from me because it's a it's a pro tip here. Mm-hmm. But whenever I go, I bring my friends, male, female, just because they like the novelty. They're like, you know, what's good food and not too pricey because the strip yeah. is pricey. You know, so I take them to El Dorado and then we chat with the GM. I don't know who the GM is today. It's been a while since I've been back there. But you're like, oh, you know, I want to go check out next door. He'll walk you in. Wow. Yeah. So versus a $50 cover charge for a female. Oh. <laughs> no thank you. Yeah. No thank you. I think it's $75 for men. Wow. Yeah. So now you know the hack. Now we know the hack. That's now you know the hack to get into Sapphire <laughs> and eat amazing Mexican food. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Wait, where's dinner tonight, guys? <laughs> I think we're changing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a reservation. Exactly. But we can, I think we I can just got myself that. invited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So now we're going to jump into your career a little bit more. We're changing. So your first job in hospitality was with Andre Belize. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was that? You mentioned you kind of fell in love with hospitality doing that. What was it about it that you were like, this is what I want to do and this is what I want to do forever? I agree. I mean, I think what you know and then what you actually end up learning are two different things or what you think you know. Um, you know, to me, Andre is such a pioneer. You know, he had the standard, the Raleigh, yep. um, and then like the standard has like the boom boom room. Uh, he has a Chiltern Firehouse in London, just very ahead of the curve in terms of kind of knowing what people want and being able to cater to that. And I'm not going to lie, I feel like I got very spoiled being able to work for him as my first job because, you know, I think there are other. Hotel companies, you know, everyone is very different. And I think there's all things for every different people, different, you know, different brands for different folks. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like with what I love and focus on throughout my career, uh, lifestyle, hospitality, food and beverage, nightlife, private members clubs, Andre really was a great entrance into that. So, you know, it's uh, it was my idea of, oh, this is what I want to do in hospitality. So I was very fortunate. So you were at LaSalle Hotels and what did you really, when, what did you learn there as far as, you know, the kind of the invest investment mm-hmm. consulting type of side of the business? Like how did that really kind of ooze into kind of who you are today and what you know? Well, it's, 
it's actually very, it's, it was such a valid and meaningful time for my career because, you know, LaSalle is very corporate. JLL is sure. very corporate and I'm not a corporate person at all. But all my colleagues in the hotel industry came from Cornell or sure, LaSalle, yeah. right? They all have the hotel school background. And I did not. At that time, when I was in NYU for grad school, yeah. I knew nothing about hotels. I didn't know a star report. I didn't know anything until I worked for Andre. So I knew nothing. And so working at JLL helped me understand the number side of things. So I, I have to be honest, it was kind of a learn and earn oh, yeah. type for me because I learned how to run numbers, how to do deal analyses, uh, market and feasibility studies, refis. And I didn't learn that at school at all. And so it was good to be able to learn. But do I see myself climbing the ranks? You know, it, it's not, you know, and Hilda and I, you know, Hilda yeah. was an associate when I was an analyst, and now she's the global CEO for JLL. I mean, she's dynamic. I love her. But I'm like, I could not do what she does, you know, what she does on a daily basis. And it's, you know, it's a different mindset, but, you know, learning how to do sales, conduct tours. I think you can never know too much. Maybe that's me being nosy. But I think in any industry, in any profession, you can never know too much. Well, what's good is when you get, when you get these different samplings, it helps mm-hmm. you kind of weed out the BS. Correct. When someone's BSing you, you kind of like, okay, I'm not, I'm not a CFO. I'm not this numbers person, but I, I understand it. Right. So you're, you're trying to yeah. pull one on me. I Correct. get it. I can see it. So Correct. I think for me, that's what I've always tried to do is try to immerse myself in areas that I knew that I was weak in and exactly. that I needed something to kind of at least educate me and, and kind of get me at a, at least a, <laughs> a step up from where I was. And surround yourself with the smartest people. Correct. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I'm like that too. I get it. Yeah. So now you're the VP of development at Dream Hotel Group. How have your past roles helped you in your current role? Oh, gosh, what hasn't? You know, and I feel like as we get older, everything we do in life is relevant to the next step. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, I've had great relationships from my previous jobs and vendors and contacts, and now they're all very supportive. And I was a big fan of Dream before I started working for the company. So I used to go out in New York and L.A., before I worked for, you know, before I was on um, full-time. And so to be able to wrap a brand that you really love and, you know, we are kind of the underdogs in a lot of, you know, and we don't have the Marriott Hilton Hyatt reach, (laughs) but sometimes there's a lot to be said for being kind of, you know, someone who's not part of that as well. So, you know, I see pros and cons, but I think there's nothing that we do regardless of profession or even industry knowledge that does not help you with what you do day to day because everything you learn along the way really helps you as a person, as a professional, as an adult. And, you know, whether it's relationships or skill sets, like even entertainment on that side, I mean, you have to have skin this thick. Yeah. And and I work with a lot of male developers and, you know, right. you have to be able to hold your own. So I think there is nothing I would say that has not you know, helped me with where I am right now. Yeah. And what's unique is I think when you, you look at a company or a brand like dream, there's so much more areas to grow Correct. versus if you're, you're in kind of that niche of a brand that has to have 20 brands so they can have six of their brands in one city. And that, <laughs> so, that's one of my, yeah. my pet peeves now with, you yeah, know, if you're an industry trend, too, there's too many brands. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. what's really differentiating them one from the other? And why am I coming there besides redeeming my points? You know, so yeah. I think 
you know, there's a lot to be said there and be like, at what point are you a little too saturated in the industry? It's a good segue. So Dream has technically five kind of brands four. currently. Four, four okay. brands, yeah. So what are the, so what are, maybe just take us quickly through those, those four brands and what, how they're connected or not connected or how they're they're different from one another. So Dream Hotel Group, um, Dream is our namesake brand. You know, we're four stars, very fun, luxury, lifestyle, a lot of food and beverage. That's pretty much what, you know, we're very, we're known for the groups we partner with, as well as our own F&B concepts, like at Dream Nashville, the IP is ours. Um, you know, in, in New York, LA, we partner with Tau Group, um, Vegas, TBD. But, you know, we definitely find the right groups to work with to really make a splash. Because for us, you know, the money is in the food and beverage and the locals. Wow. They want to come hang out, not, you know, I make more money when my girlfriends and I want to come have a drink at Dream Vegas right. or, you know, a happy hour, a nightclub, a boozy brunch versus someone like you guys who come to our city, what, two, three times a year? Sure. Even yeah. if you come, we'd welcome you with open arms. But that's not the consistent, and that's why right. we really cater to the locals. And I think that's what we're very successful at. Um, we do have a luxury five-star brand, the Chotwall, named after our yeah. founder, Mr. Chotwall. You know, in Chotwall, it's in Times Square. We are opening up at any minute now the Chotwall Lodge up in the Catskills, you know, all-inclusive, lots of outdoor amenities and activities like horseback riding and all these that um, is, is new for us, but, you know, definitely something that, and that's another segue into, as an aside, a trend in the industry is that I think lifestyle is evolving in many different ways. I have our little sister brand, Unscripted, which was meant to be dream for smaller markets. Okay. So a prototypical dream has four to six food and beverage outlets. If you look at a market like St. Louis, you look at a market like Kansas City, I love those markets. Sure. I will do deals there all day long because I have no competition. But you're not going to sustain four restaurants. The market right. doesn't allow for it. So Unscripted was our answer to smaller markets who still have the dream DNA, the fun, the vibe, maybe one restaurant, maybe one rooftop bar, but not four plus. So that was our um, idea for Unscripted. And then lastly, we have by DHG, one of our soft brand collections, especially for projects that are either conversions or something with a, a great story. We looked at a few places that were like former churches, former temples, you know, to have that story be part of the narrative of the project. To put our brand on it, you know, does not make as much sense as saying, you know, this was originally, sure. you know, the customs house. Right by Dream Hotel Group. So, you know, there's sometimes projects that have its own identity that we can still make ours, but by DHG was meant to be a catch-all in terms of curating that experience and not let the Dream name itself take over while still having our fun, our DNA, and our programming and partnerships. Across those brands, how many hotels do you think you'll have in your portfolio in probably the next five years. Wow. I mean, we are very active in our deal signings. So, you know, I, I would say in an ideal scenario, you know, a hundred, a hundred hotels. I wow. mean, we've been very active in the pipeline. The development team has remained intact since COVID. We've right. been signing deals. So we are very bullish on the market and the brand, but a lot of times, not just us, but any brand in general, we're at the mercy of a lot of different gods. Sure. 
right, on the financing side, on the, you know, market side, you know, no one expected COVID. And so there are a lot of things that could be out of our control, but I think we are getting a lot of momentum. Dream Doha is opening in uh, shortly as well. That's with the royal family. We were going to open before World Cup. I think it's been delayed a little bit, but, you know, we may still do a soft opening. But the idea is, I think, as we continue to grow internationally, too, you know, we're getting the name out. And it's it's a process, you know. It's not easy because a lot of people, you know, not in the industry or not in New York, L.A., Miami, Nashville, they don't know us. You know, even Dream Vegas, my developers didn't know us. And everyone in New York was like, why haven't you guys been in Vegas already? I'm like, it's not easy. You're getting a deal <laughs> sign in Vegas. It's a big boys club here. Yeah, yeah. On the on the casino on the gaming side. Kind of speaking about Vegas, which is a new development. Do you have one of these new developments that's kind of close to your heart that you you really are enjoying working with, or you're excited to see go live? Well, I mean, my baby is breaking ground in yeah. July, and you know that will be 500 and 25 rooms, which is large for us, minuscule for Vegas. Right. And, you know, we'll have gaming and many food and beverage outlets. And that will open in uh, probably Q3 2024, $350 million project south of the Strip. It's the first hotel you'll see by the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. So during draft, they had all these, yeah, um, was, you know, the these, was cool this and, year, yeah. and they had draft, they had uh, interviews at the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. And so all the photos there you see in yeah. the back, that's where Dream will be. So any welcome to Las Vegas, you know, interview and photo op will be right there. So I think that's very valuable. And I'm personally very bullish on the south end of the Strip. Uh A lot of people in Vegas don't agree with me. But, you know, the stadium is now open. Everything is pushing southwards, in my personal opinion. Yeah, and I I mean, I think a couple things. Many, many years ago when they were talking about bringing an NFL franchise to Las Vegas, I knew somebody who had lived here most of their life, and they said it will never happen. It happened. Yep. The draft, the NFL is obviously, they're incredible marketers. They're very smart the way they've positioned things. But the, having the draft in Vegas was, I, you know, I think it was, incre- it was, it made me jealous being so close, being in Phoenix. Yeah. And I was like, I should have, yeah. I should have went to, <laughs> I, I did come to a game. I went to, I'm a Philadelphia guy. So I went to the Eagles Raiders game in the fall when we got killed. I was there. Um, yeah, it was bad. But anyway, but, it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have. Yeah, I, that was I, I have proof too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was at the Raiders Eagles game. I, have the I think empty, it was last I have the empty October, box of tissues. Yeah. He's trying to forget. He's trying to forget. Anyway, it was, but, but the city, I, I will say, you know, there's, there's things I see that are going on in Phoenix, mm-hmm. different, already have four sports teams. When you look at Las Vegas, it's kind of like, like it's a city that you didn't think could kind of right. get not get I don't know if get better is the right word but yeah, it's kind of it's like a city that. where you're kind of like what else are they going to do and Correct. you're like oh well guess what we're going to add an NFL team and guess what we're going to have a hockey team and guess what we're gonna and you're just like wow this is incredible so I, I think to your point you know south of the strip I think you know it's kind of people always say that stuff until the two have merged and it's not mm-hmm. no longer south it's just the strip it's just the and strip. it's just Happens to be the south side of it. Yeah, but I mean, Vegas, even in the past, I've lived here for four and a half years now. I mean, even the past few years. I mean, it's leaps and bounds. It's so different from, and I actually moved here the Tuesday after the Manley incident. Oh, well. So that's how I remember when I moved here. And, you know, at that time, coming in and seeing, like, you know, all, like, the Vegas strong signs. I mean, I think Vegas really underwent a transformation 
in the sense that there's a solidarity. And then when you see like the Knights, the Knights were here, you know, two years before the Raiders. I mean, the hometown energy is unlike anything else. You know, I've lived in New York, LA, I go to all the, you know, the Kings and, you know, the games, like, yeah, it's and that's what Vegas was. They were nervous about bringing those sports teams here because they're like, well, it's so going to all the visitors, yeah, all the opposing team. Right. Yeah. But now, like the Raiders are making big moves with getting. So this is the part in the program where we get a, a <laughs> beverage, uh, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> <get> a beverage <laughs> refill. Beverage refill, ex-husband. Can we say that? Yes. Is your wife still gonna? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Anthony. Anthony, yeah. guys. Hey, thank hey. you, Anthony. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's that's how we do things at the Modern Hotelier. We make sure that we have our previous guest come in. <laughs> previous guest, you know, they have to pay their dues, come back. Exactly, have to come serve back. Serve co guest. Whose room are you in right now? Yeah, exactly. We're in Anthony's room. Anyway, so that's a, this is a this is a good portion. Anthony's bringing some little wow, look at this. For us, so wow, a little charcuterie. Good. Yeah, so I'm gonna take a piece of that. You go. I'm going to tell all the aspiring hoteliers you want to be on this podcast. Oh, my goodness. Oh, With service like this. Service. Ah, yeah, the, this. the problem is we're going to be like, where's Anthony? Yeah, exactly. When, when's like, the food and drinks where's coming? Where's the food and drinks? Yeah. <laughs> where's the intermission that we're yeah, in? Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh so, kids, if you work hard, you can sit in this seat, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, good. So good. All right. So, now we're going to talk about your thoughts. Kind of your thoughts on technology, okay. trends. Yeah, um, go ahead. Um, Thank you. But first of all, I want to hear, if somebody who's just starting out in the industry, what's a piece of advice that you would give them? It's funny. This is kind of an odd answer. I always say be well-read because it really opens your perspective on a lot. And I'm a sure. big nerd. I'm a big reader. And I think that shapes your perspective on a lot of things, makes you more open and acceptable of different ideas and thoughts because I think there's nothing worse than being more narrow-minded or thinking that you're you're the be-all, end-all. You're not. You're not. And I think for anyone starting out, it's about being open to, to learning and humility. Yeah. Be well-read and be humble. Well, I'll give you a cheers to cheers that. Cheers to that. Yeah. I'm finishing mine. <laughs> oh, well, where's... Thanks, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> the Melchiori room service the, is... Uh, yeah. The, the, um, he yeah. Had, oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah, he's heading to the poker table soon, so we yeah, just exactly. got to go hang out. Or, or El Dorado and Sapphire. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the bus boy with, the dreams. Oh. <laughs> with an awesome room. With an awesome room that we're crashing. That's so funny. Is there anything you would have done differently in your career? Um, no. Love that. Love that. Love it. I made a lot of mistakes. I own it. I love that. I learned from it. Yeah, it was good. I was watching an interview and uh, Larry King asked Anthony Hopkins, do you have any regrets? And Say. he took this um, this kind of real simple pause and he just said, no. I don't, he goes, I've done good things. I've done bad things. Exactly, but, we all have. You know, he's like, but I, I am who I am and I try to do my best. And it was very simple. So it was very, very good answer. And that's another piece of advice. Be unpo- unapologetic. Yeah, look, we're nobody's perfect. We're no going to make mistakes. Is. So um, it's tough when you have bosses that think everyone's supposed to be perfect. But anyway, um, we'll skip to the next exactly. question. <laughs> so what, um, you know, so outside of, you know, everyone's talking about COVID, labor shortages, what do you think, outside of those two things, what's the next biggest challenge that the industry's facing right now? 
Well, I mean, I hate to be cliche, but, you know, obviously the supply shortage is hurting and impacting us in a myriad of ways. To go back to the staffing issue, I do want to touch upon that because, you know, whenever I travel to any of our hotels, I like to speak with the GMs and find out what, because I'm on the deal side. I don't know ops. So I'm learning a lot from them being like, what's, what are the, you know, what are the pros and cons or, you know, where, where are your pain points? Cause I need to be able to convey that to my developers when we're talking about the operation side. And in the past, I would say two years, the biggest issue with the staff shortage is we've had to do uh, temp labor and the temps don't know your brand. They don't care about your brand. They're there for a check and they're out in a certain amount of time. And that's very hurtful. It dilutes your brand and you can be our biggest fan. You have a bad interaction with them. That really puts a bad taste in your mouth. And that's not through a fault of our own. You know, it's just the industry is just hard pressed right now in different ways. For Dream Hollywood, what we did was this was a unique take on kind of the staffing shortage we partnered with a, ro- a robotics company. Oh, wow. And they ha- we have these little robots. They're, I don't know, they look like little R2-D2s. But they uh, <laughs> run around in the lobby and they tell jokes. They wear like a, uh, they have like a little bow tie. They're very dapper, speak with a British accent. And they also do a lot of uh, room runs like Uber Eats, yeah. amenities, you know. And for a time when you're such short-staffed, People are like, oh, robots are going to take over. Our robots have garnered us so much press. And it's, you know, people come to see yeah. our robot. You know, and it's just like to be creative with the issues that you're facing without taking away from the brand experience is so important. And I also, and I feel like these past few years, everyone has had to get creative because there's you, there's just a finite number of resources you have. Another great example from Dream Hollywood was um, during COVID, no one was going to hotels, right? The occupancies were at 10, 20, 30%. And what our general manager, who's amazing, Von Davis there, he uh, worked with uh, an FTR gallery and did digital art in our lobby. So everyone would come to see it. Even if you're not staying at the hotel, you came. And when you were there, you're like, oh, I'm going to stop by for a drink. I'll have a meal. Sure. And at a time when no one was coming to hotels, that generated press and foot traffic and food and beverage business. So I think it's really important to to be nimble and to be creative because you have to think outside of the box in these times. Yeah, I was going to say we had a um, Max Starkov, who's a, a big advocate of technology in hotels. And mm-hmm. I just got to Vegas today and it was amazing because... I had a, just a couple of quick things. So I had a, I stayed at a hotel where mobile check-in, mobile key, didn't have to go to the front desk, no problems. Got in the elevator, got in my room first time, great. Did you like it? I loved it. Okay. Second time, didn't work. Mobile key what didn't happened? work. Oh. Wouldn't work. I tried everything. I had my phone upside down, right, right. side up. I was standing on one leg. I was You're my finger in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> I tried everything. But yet, so it was like, it was so close to being great. But then I won't name the other hotel, but I was yeah. I went to see another colleague and this hotel, there was a line of about 10 people checking in. And this was a very, very high-end hotel. And you're thinking, like, how bad is this for that person standing in the line? Like, there's technology that can solve this. So, one, the technology for me worked the first time, didn't work the second time. But 
I think as an industry, we still have to, and as Max was saying, we have to embrace it because it's like, you book your Uber on your phone. You Correct. go to the airport and you're on your mobile boat boarding pass. Right. When you're home, you book, you order on your app, Correct. DoorDash. You get to the hotel and the hotel I was at got it for the most part right in effort. But the industry has to, I think, just evolve. So the robot story is a pretty cool story because it shows that they're embracing technology that's improving the guest experience where everyone's afraid that it's going to take Correct. away from the guest experience. Yeah. I was on a like a, a panel on for a conference in London and we were talking about guest experience a lot of people are hesitant to go, you know, completely yeah. text focused and they're like, oh, well, it takes away from the guest oh. experience. I will not tell you a line at a check-in that I wanted to wait in. There are yeah. certain places where it enhances the experience versus take away from it. And everyone just thinks, you know, the robots are taking over the world. That's not true. But I think right. the problem with technology, though, is like you said, the first and the second time, consistency. Yeah, That's, that's what yeah. needs to be ironed out. Because if you have that, then there's so many places where you don't need labor. You're not going to dislike your experience at XYZ Hotel any less. And it makes it perhaps even better. But consistency, right? And ease of use. Those are the two things. Absolutely. And I I almost think Alfred almost increases that guest experience. He does. I had a chance to hear Vaughn uh, speak. <gasps> when were you, when did you hear Vaughn speak? Uh, he's amazing. He's so I love good. Vaughn. He's so good. He is I'm amazing. where I saw him, but he was so good. I got to meet him afterwards and he's awesome. Well, you guys and need anything, I'll put you in He's great with and he's a great dresser as well. So, oh yeah, the dapper. Um, the dapperest dresser in so all of good. hotels. So GMs. good. Um, but he was telling about the whole story of Alfred and the naming process and everything that went into it. And I don't know if you can share a little bit about that, but I thought that was really awesome. And then he was talking about how people are taking pictures with the robot. Yeah. And they're ordering room service just for the just robot to, ha- yeah. to come to the room. And it's like- Just the Instagram it, video them coming up, video exactly. Alfred. It's yeah. amazing. That creates a unique experience and how technology does Correct. that. You know, What was that process like of adding Alfred to it? And how did that decision come to be? You know, and I have to be honest, like that was not a corporate decision. It was a Vaughn decision. He's a very visionary GM. You know, he's like my brother. I adore him. So I I mean, like he did the NFT thing and, you know, like a lot of times the right partnerships and, you know, activations really, you know, make or break what you contribute because we don't take out ads, right? A press mention is infinitely more valuable than any ad you can take out. Having people hang out there for Super Bowl, you know, a lot of the after parties were at Tao and Beauty and Essex. So we're very strategic in that respect. Like what gets people talking? What moves the needle? You know, what's not done yet? And that's why, like Vaughn said about the story with uh, Alfred, everything that we do comes with a big backstory, a big amount of preparation, a big amount of homework to see, does this make sense? Are people going to talk about it or are we just going to be like another big brand trying to be hip and put a DJ on the roof and craft cocktails in the basement, right? It's a lot of work going into what we do to create the narratives of our brands in our hotels. I thought of what we just discussed. Is there anything else that you think is a, a kind of a trend or some sort of technology that you guys are looking at to kind of improve that guest experience? I mean, I know you're not on the operations side, but is there anything else that you're you're kind of hearing through the, through the organization? At least as a company, I think Dream is very progressive. So we are very open to all aspects of new tech innovations. We're one of the few companies who are like, you know, people like Vaughn who are very right. innovative. They're like, you know, we'll give it a, a give it a go. I feel like instead of anything that maximizes the guest experience, I am not as familiar with a lot of the sure. the 
what, and right. I know there's a lot of other applications out there, but a lot of times it's like, does that really benefit the bottom line? You know, and, and I think there's stuff to be considered, pros and cons to be weighed in terms of, does this make sense for, for us? Because I know there's no shortage of apps right. for hotels now, right? right? Everything has an app, but does well, it make in, sense? In your travel, has there been anything that you've seen that you've been like, oh, we need this at Dream? Has there been anything where you've, like, you've traveled and you've been like, oh, this, we got to get this. This is real. This is a really good piece of technology. I, well, I don't know about technology. I was talking about a party shower, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> a party shower? So actually, we have it at Nashville, Dream Nashville. Okay, it's a birthday party shower. Is it? Is it a big like a party? shower? Shower like like water? Yeah, in the. Uh, and I said water for those of the people who, <laughs> who know that I'm from outside Philadelphia, and we normally say water. Water. And I said water. water. I made sure I said water. it correctly. Oh no, it's a fully functioning shower, and I think okay. we're gonna do something similar at Dream Vegas. Can't give it away, but. So you've got, you, like Vaughn, you said, mentioned in the NFT stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think meta, the metaverse, web 3.0, oh, all wow. of this, how is that going to affect hospitality? Well, I think it's going to be much more integrated to an extent because at the end of the day, all of us are in the money-making business. Yeah. And so where there is revenue to be had, sure. we will be there to collect if we can. So, you know, I think it's still up in the air in terms of, you know, all the all the Bitcoins and the metaverses and this is not a plug for the company, but I was watching a Facebook video about uh, Chipotle in the vet- metaverse. Sure. Yeah. And they were doing like, you can be making burritos and you earn points. I mean, <laughs> at some point, every brand is going to jump in on it. But yeah. does it? Is there a return? I don't know. But, you know, I feel like everything now is being more and more integrated into that. And does it translate into dollar signs? I don't know. And I feel like that's kind of like when we had Facebook and Instagram. We didn't know yeah, how I was gonna that say was the same turn thing. to a Correct. business. Yeah, and now say. we have this and it, like, it's going to be the same yeah, thing. Yeah, no, it basically. smells like that the whole thing when you were like, mm-hmm. when I tell, talk, pe- talk to people about certain things and I'm like, well, if I would have told you 10 years ago you were going to be sleeping in some stranger's house, which right. is Airbnb, yeah. you're going to get in the backseat of some stranger's car, right. <laughs> which is an Uber and not taking a taxi. Uh, it just kind of has that feel and I think, you know, I, uh, you know. I, again, I've, I've I've plugged him before, but you know, my friend Michael Cohen, he he, you know, is really big on it. He's holding these kind of metaverse virtual meetings, and it's. Um, I think to your, you just got to keep your eye on it and see where it goes. And right. like you said, if there's money there, then people are going to. No one there. has a crystal ball. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. Unfortunately, but yeah, these I kids—I mean, <laughs> if we did, we'd be billionaires. The kids are on these Oculus. I think it's called the headsets. Oh, yeah. They're all they're. Uh, you know, our our uh, server today, Anthony, was telling me he was trying for some meeting, but it was making him nauseous. But I said, yeah, I think you have Wes to. Wes Anthony's old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the name of the podcast. Anthony's old. <laughs> yeah, Very episode old. eight, Anthony's old. <laughs> but anyway, so we covered a lot. We've covered uh, your background, everything. Is there any question you you wish we would have asked you that we didn't? Oh, wow. No, no questions. Okay, no questions, good. just Anything you want to plug? Tell us what's going on with Dream. Anything that's up and coming that we should know about? So for Dream, you know, we have the Chotwall Lodge up in the Catskills opening up uh, probably end of this month. And okay. we have Dream Doha opening up end of this year. Okay. And uh, my baby, Dream Vegas, will break ground in July and hopefully open in uh, Q3 of 2024. So you guys okay. are invited to the opening party. Thank you. It's great. We're going to lose a lot of brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> We've already, yeah, we've already, yeah, there's a lot of brain yeah, cells, but you're on the short list, so you're all, uh, you guys are good. We're very excited for it. I think um, Vegas will be 
happy that, you know, we like to bring something different to the table. And I no, think we great. are. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. Their dreams are coming true, people would say. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> pun intended. Well, so that's it. That's uh, that's the that's the wrap for uh, the Modern Hotelier presented by Stay Flexi here in Las Vegas. Thank you so much for being our guest. Of and course. Thank you. We Anthony's appreciate it. still old. I know. <laughs> He did a good job serving, though. He did a good job serving us. So, yes. again, thank you so much. Thank you and, guys for um, having me. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. So you. fun. Thank you. Cheers. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media and presented by Stay Flexi. Stay Flexi is your modern operating system for independent hotels. If you're interested in learning more about Stay Flexi, you can go to stayflexi.com. Or if you'd rather talk to me instead, feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn or email me at steve.karen at stayflexi.com. Thanks and have a great day.